Hey everybody, and welcome back to Survive This Crit. This episode, we'll be interviewing horror and thriller writer and filmmaker, Dennis Serrano. Am I pronouncing that right, Serrano? Oh, you got it, yep. <laughs> okay, perfect. Sorry, I didn't want to butcher that. <laughs> okay, uh, Dennis is based in the DC MDMVA area. His passion for film came from the horror and thriller genre. In fact, he has a whole array of horror tattoos to prove his undying love and an amazing statue of uh, Jason Voorhees himself. <laughs> uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see that right now. Uh, let's see, he started early in the industry selling his first script at the age of 19. Additionally, he has been seen working on a variety of music video and commercial sets in the Northeast region. He's very passionate about animals and is a volunteer with Project Second Chance and has his own pup named Honey. That's for you. <laughs> So welcome, hey. Dennis. <laughs> hey, welcome. Hey. thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, of course. I mean, after meeting you and seeing the brilliant array of horror movie tattoos that you have, and just all of our talks about film and horror movies, I knew that you had to be the first person here officially to hang out with us. So we have just some questions so we can get to know you better and audiences can get to know you as well. So first up, what is your D&D alignment? Are you neutral? Are you chaotic? Where do you fall on that scale? Um, I think there's a healthy balance of chaos. I think there can be structure in chaos and that's where I would really thrive. So tell me, what is the first horror movie you remember seeing? Uh, it had to have been probably Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That was probably the first movie I ever seen, and then I was terrified of carnivals and circuses, and like, yeah, I I, I couldn't even eat cotton candy. I was like, there's people in that. You can't, what I can't did I tell you, Kylie? What did I tell you? That movie messes people up. No, I was terrified of clowns forever. I was, you know what, Dennis? I'm right there with you. I was never really one to be scared of clowns, but I saw that movie and I said, you know what? My phobia is killer clowns from outer space. It's justified after that. That's that movie ruined me. I, I couldn't even go to a circus. Couldn't eat circus peanuts. Couldn't be around a circus. Oh my gosh! Well, are you? Do you still have a clown phobia now? No, no, no. I, I, uh, I got too into clowns. Started listening to Insane Clown Posse. So <laughs> it's a little too. I got too clowny. So I dialed back the clown now. But yeah, I, I think what happened was I faced my fear, became dangerously obsessed, and then I dialed it back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's so you weren't one of those ones in like 2019, that era when clowns started like running out of the woods and chasing people and trying to kill them. You weren't part of that era, right? No, no, no. If if anything, I would have chased back. I would have I would have chased the clown back. He would have like, it would have been a whole thing. <laughs> I'd be like, oh. and he'd be like, no, and I'm like, yes, come here. I want to help you. a clown. He would <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, that's probably better than a. Uh... The opposite and being so obsessed we'd probably have a recreation of that joker scene with walking phoenix where you're just like looking in the mirror doing a weird little dance <laughs> yes. absolutely <laughs> tell us what is your favorite horror movie and why uh in terms of my favorite horror movie yeah it's definitely friday the 13th just because of how jason's just a legend like as a, as a fanboy mm -hmm. I can overlook how cruddy and terrible the movies really are because they they're not they're not great. But thanks to Friday Thirteenth, the spinoffs that uh, it created, it it's just one of the greatest franchises that ever that, to ever exist. And Friday Thirteenth will always have a special place in my heart. For the whole franchise, one through T uh, ten, yeah, yeah. 
um i when the uh when the game came out i religiously played it i it, the game was completely broken it was filled with bugs but i'm like it's friday the 13th i'm like i can overlook all of the bad why is it your favorite outside of jason just being an iconic character in terms of slasher films jason just brought everything to the table they uh the, the creative kill we think about like the beginning of how like, movie magic was happening and how the special effects artist that worked on Friday the 13th and like he brought so many scenes to life and he did it in a way that it was just it's eye-popping that's why like when, it, when the movie was coming out in the 80s like people were drawn to it because of how drastically different it was from the other films that were happening and instead of it just being a monster flick it was a person in a hockey mask and we and with no backstory and that's why he's so like he doesn't need a, a beginning like it's well his beginning is he drowned in the water but that's it's just little hints of that I know that that's really interesting so I, I'm coming in as like a first time watcher of Friday the 13th. I'll fully expose myself and just say that I was a little disappointed because I thought that Jason was going to show up and, you know, he does does at the very end. But when Pamela Voorhees is like the main bad for this film, I, I myself, like I said, I was just I was a little disappointed about it. But how, how do you view it? So think about it like this. You viewed it after the fact of knowing that there was a Jason Voorhees. Imagine being back. Imagine when that movie first came out. And Pamela Borg, the big twist is that she's the killer. There was no Jason at the time. Jason was presumed dead. So if you didn't know Jason was in the movie, I think, would you have liked the movie a little? Like, it would have been a different experience because you wouldn't have been expecting this. Yeah, yeah, no, I could I could see that. And that's what I kind of thought of too. I was like, you know, this is probably a lot better for like people who had no idea coming into the franchise, anything about it. And I kind of viewed it more as almost on the thriller side rather than on the... Uh, the horror side because it's like that whole mystery of like okay what's going on here who's the person killing everybody the first time I saw it it kind of reminded me almost opposite of your experience Nick because I was expecting Jason the whole time because I I the very first time I saw it years ago I was like okay I'm waiting for the big burly dude okay you're filming it from that forced perspective where the cameraman's the killer nice and then by the end I was like she's wearing a cable knit sweater <laughs> <What>? <laughs> What is happening? And I wish I, I had that sweater. <laughs> I, I personally appreciated that. I think, but it's because there's not many female monster villains, I feel like. So I guess from my perspective, I was pleasantly surprised, even though I was like, someone should have been able to take her out. She's like a 60-year-old woman. Come on. How many 60-year-old women have you taken out, Kylie? Mm hmm, mm -hmm. Don't push me. I'm coming for you, Grandma. <laughs> well, you got to tell us, what is your least favorite horror trope? Because we talk about the tropes a lot uh, on here. My least favorite horror, horror trope. I'm not a fan of fan, fan films. Mm, so I think okay. if there was a trope in terms of horror, it's when somebody makes a short out of J Friday the 13th or Jason. That, that, that puts, uh, it's because there's no budget behind it. Their stories are really poorly written and it's, and then if it does garner success, it's off the back of somebody else's creation. So, so do you feel that way about like network reboots too? When people just will remake a, uh, like for example, the only example I can literally think of right now is Gossip Girls. They did a Gossip Girl reboot. Basically same story, different characters, stuff like that. So do you feel that way about all like remakes and reboots or is it just fan-made? Um, for the most part, it's just fan made, but I think um, what a director and writers have to do is go into a project 
knowing that, that they have to play fan service, but at the same time, they have to make the, the product their own. They have to make it so original. If you look at Anne Rice's uh, interview with the vampire, the newest series, that it was so drastically different from the original, but mm-hmm. it held, it holds up and it's a new it's a new story with characters that we like we loved her all our lives. They made the the series better than the movies. And I think it holds up like the books. Like they really did an amazing job. As long as they honored the series or the original character, then would you ever write a fan film? If it was like honoring the original character, but a completely different path with the story? Uh, I probably wouldn't, unless I like, unless I was hired specifically to write for Friday, the, like, to work on with maybe with like a group of writers and we work on a Friday the 13th uh, film, then I would do something like that. Or like, I would think about making a spec script for something I like really believed in. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this show is so good. And I can just like, and then I'll work my own script into it. I could do that. Okay, gotcha. But, uh, so it's it's being a part of a universe that's already there, not taking what they've made and then doing something along the same themes, but slightly different. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. So if you were going to try to survive against Pamela Voorhees in one situation and against Jason Voorhees, what would be your tactics in either situation? So Jason's kind of unkillable. So I'm going to go with... Uh... Well, you can't. I guess climb a tree. I've never seen Jason climb a tree, so I'm going to go with. <laughs> I'm going to go with tree climbing and just hope that he doesn't throw something at me. Um, <laughs> I think I can outrun Pamela, so I'm going to go with. All right. Or, like, <laughs> okay. Tire so up you're, you're not going to attempt to fight either of them. You're like, I'm getting out of here one way or the other. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't have it in me to kill somebody. So like, that's going to be like. I'm like, uh, I can't kill. 60, even though she's trying to, I could like push her, but even that just feels like abuse. You know, she looks completely <laughs> psychotic and is saying, yes, I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> she's a helpless old lady that just wants to avenge her son. I can't argue with the like that she's doing a noble deed in her mind. <laughs> For, That's fair. fair. That's fair. I, it's hard to look at her as a little old lady when the whole movie you see her just slaughtering very creatively. Which She's is- just taking out the trash. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing the world to some of the unneeded. <laughs> well, exactly. speaking of taking out the trash, what was your favorite creative kill in this movie? Because you brought up creative kills earlier, and I was like, yes, we definitely have to cover that. There's so many. You got um, one of my favorite scenes. I forget what Friday the 13th it is. Um, I think it's, I want to say two or three. Mm-hmm. but he takes this guy's uh, face like they're in a camper and he just Jason comes in and smushes his face into the camper and the like the face imprints into the metal of the camper like it folds around his face and you can see it smushing in that's a solid one and then one of my favorites is Jason X um, he takes this girl's face and I guess there's a bunch of dry ice I forget what it's called or like liquid uh, nitrogen he uh-huh. takes her face smushes it in the liquid uh, nitrogen pulls her head out and then smashes it and it's just like bits of chunks of her everywhere. Oh my gosh. I feel like they oh got even warrior as the films went on. Do you have a oh. favorite of the first movie, the original? Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the original is my least favorite, of course. No, Jason. So. But I, I love the artistic design for all the merch for all the Friday the 13th themed stuff. Uh, at Spirit Halloween last year, they had like, whole wall dedicated to Friday the 13th and I was like I get it I I get why people like this campy bloody slasher 
sequence that we went through in the eighties, like this is cute. I could wear these, like this ugly orange shirt and put some blood on me and I'd look great for Halloween. Every year I go to spirit, I'll buy like three or four items every year. And it's usually some kind of chasing memorabilia or some trick or treats. Like Sam's become so like a pole, like Sam is like a polarizing character now. And he's everywhere before Sam. I don't even think there was more like, it came out what, 2009. So like, I would say uh, trick or treat has even um, reached the level of success or of Friday, like that, which is awesome. It's awesome seeing other characters turn into huge success. Trick or treat came out in 2009 and it's like seeing it as popular as it is now in 2023, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Well, I think killer clowns has also made that too in the last couple of years. Like it's really, it had its own shelf at spirit Halloween too. Like, you know, you've made it as a horror movie. If you have like your own section that they block off. just. Oh, there's a whole section for this now at spirit. Yes, yeah. I have a I have a lunchbox. <laughs> and oh boy, I no, no, I'm work. glad. I'm <laughs> glad I don't shop at Spirit. All right, so personal and silly questions, because we just like having some of those before we go into the career and industry stuff. So are you a fight, flight, or freeze when it comes to confrontation? It depends on the type of confrontation. Uh, depending on what it is, it's normally like, I guess fight is usually my go-to, but if I if I recognize I'm in the wrong, then I guess I'll backpedal. So flight, I like 90% of the time I'm usually wrong. So I'm gonna go with <laughs> and if I, I only fight because I'm just uh, I guess too dumb not to like just be like, <laughs> no, you want no, it's like no, we, we it, it went this far. Two plus two is three. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So basically you're running that. up into those trees. Yes. It's, it's a common trait of mine. Do you wear shoes in the house? This was a debate Nick and I had like in detail before and when we recorded last time, just because we kind of don't align. So I was curious what you do. I really like for the shoes to be at the door. I leave. Like, there's Thank no, you. There's no reason to walk around with like, cause you're just tracking dirt and crap. Everything that you walked around outside is now in, in your house and it's everywhere. Leave the <laughs> shoes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I will I'm say as devil's advocate, I try to, but then if I leave shoes on different floors, I'm like, well, I might as well put them on and then walk up the stairs. And we have- That's why you make a little shelf or a little cubby right near the door, Kylie. Yeah. Cubby. And also, is just as a reminder to our listeners, I, I also said there's only one form of acceptable shoe really in the house, and those are slippers. Slippers that are only for inside the house. That, that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess I'm just disgusting compared to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's Glad fine. You know. All right. So what is something that you've watched recently and that you loved? It can be a show or film. doesn't have to be horror thriller, but... Well, the, the most recent film that like blew my mind and changed my perspective of reality and like it's probably oh, I always forget the name because it's so long everything everywhere all at once yep it changed my like yeah like the way I see reality has changed because of that movie uh it, it explores existentialism in a way that I just I had never thought and it, it's a brilliant movie all right well I am the only one here that hasn't watched it so I've now been Kylie told Kylie Kylie Kylie, Kylie. watch it I, I will. Never have I both wanted to cry and laugh and cringe and, and disgust all oh. in one movie. All right. It's gonna change your whole perspective on bagels and other things. <laughs> okay. So speaking of uh, 
bagels, this kind of brings us to probably our most important question here, Dennis. What is your favorite meal? Nick is a chef. That's why I had to add that one. All right. It's so, I fall into usually like two options, Puerto Rican cuisine or um, Asian cuisine. Those are the two, the two go-to. So I guess my favorite meal would be rice, beans, and like an adobo chicken or anything with rice and beans. Very affordable compared to like eggs and everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm too poor to afford eggs now. $8 eggs. Now rice and beans have to be your favorite. Exactly. We're all getting there. (laughs) Oh, and on that note, we're going to talk about something hard, the entertainment industry. So what brought you into the entertainment industry and give the listeners and us like a path of what it's been like so far? (laughs) So like any other college student going to a liberal arts college and trying to get a degree, I Originally went in for doing psychology, and then I gave up on that. I wanted to be a, maybe a coach, and then I gave up on that. And then I finally found my way into film because film is the one thing that's always made sense to me. When the, when the world around me doesn't seem to function or make sense, film does. So fell in love with it, started writing, and it's been a slow and ongoing journey from like, I guess, 12 years now. Wow. And then I took a hiatus from film and focused on my dog rescue, working with dogs, going back into dog training. And I think um, talking to you, I had just started school. So I was getting back into the swing of things and you kind of reinvigorated my uh, my oh. passion for film. I think you helped. We talked because uh, we nerded out pretty hard the last like two times you yeah. came out. So it helped out a lot. I guess for a while, I I, I definitely lost a lot of passion for it in a sense mm-hmm. that like now, like for me, it was just a degree and I got to just find work, but I'm back into like wanting to be a filmmaker and not just write scripts, but also be a grip, but work on sets, right? And, but I definitely would just want to help in the process of filmmaking. And I want to eventually work on a film that I'm like going to be really proud of. So you sold your first script when you were 19, correct? Yes, to Ghost House Productions. Yeah, tell us what that was like. Tell us what it was like to create your own script from the writer perspective, what it was about, and what the whole experience was to sell it, which is crazy because most people dream of doing something like that and they never do. So first thing, we got to think about this. This wasn't even an actual script. This wasn't written, it wasn't written in script format. It was simply, I think I wrote it on Microsoft Word and it was a few, like it was 120 plus pages. Wow. And, I was, and I was obsessed with going to like film festivals in DC. So with whatever money I had, I would go by myself to a premiere and just sit outside uh, and, you know, I'll just watch them. And then I'd weasel my way to a bar and get a few drinks. And that's how I ended up meeting somebody from Ghost House or whoever they were. Because I realized I never got a message. I never got an email back. I got a, I got the confirmation. I got the money. But I have yet to see the movie. So somebody just, either, either Ghost House bought my movie and mm-hmm. just sat on it and did nothing with it. Or some weird dude at a bar. Gave me five thousand dollars for a couple of hundred pages of paper. Oh my but, goodness! Um, I, I bet he's holding on to the script. He's just like waiting for his moment. Like this is yeah. it. After the right time's gonna podcast. come. <laughs> Now's like, the time. He's like that. Yeah, that, that, it was me. I, I would love that if he was watching the podcast. But like he's like, oh, remember? So, could you like tell me a little bit what it was about? Like I know I don't know if you signed NDAs or anything, but if. I'm sure I did, but it's been so long that I just, I, I can tell, I can think, I can say what it's about. Okay. It was a uh, brother and sister serial killers. And I remember the first opening scene I had was of the sister. She was in the graveyard and she was taking, uh, she had cardboard paper 
mm-hmm. and she had uh, to the chalk and she was taking off uh, taking the the gravestones and like getting the words and everything from the chalk like from the gravestones onto the uh, paper through the chalk it was just like a morbid hobby of hers and interesting I like yeah that. and I think I gave them like really cliche like names like Wednesday or like Damien or something like like some dark dark names just be like okay this works right and yeah. it was just the if I remember correctly it was just like they were just serial killers I always had this idea where like if one a serial killer runs out into another serial killer because they're going after the same person when I wrote the script I don't think they knew that one another were serial killers they ended up finding out after they're chasing the same target oh cool so, so if like I, a little bit of teamwork and camaraderie plus murder. Exactly. I love that. That's actually, that's really fun. And especially if it's like brother and sister, that'd be, oh, I really like that a lot. That would be interesting. I, I actually would like to see that. Yeah. You know what, Dennis? It's not too late. You can make a sequel or a prequel like, and make it, you can make it now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be against it. Like I am working on a script now that I'm really excited. Like I'm rejuvenated. Like I'm probably... I'm resurrected. I have all new ideas. New, I'm really passionate kicking ass in film. So yeah, like I got tons of scripts coming up, or at least one, one good script. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's all it takes, right? If you so with the script that you're working on now, can you give us a one sentence clue into what it's about? Demon coconut. <laughs> all right. I immediately know the ending of this movie. <laughs> This sounds amazing. Okay. So you were saying that was it, you, you just felt like really re- rejuvenated uh, in your creative process recently. So what has it been for you in your life that you've drawn from that has helped revive that creativity in your life? It's definitely being back in school and seeing my peers. They're killing it. There was a time where I didn't think like the future filmmakers were going to be anything special, but these these current future like they're ahead of their time. They're so good. And watching them work and watching the watching them tell their stories and they're brilliant filmmakers. They're, they're brilliant future filmmakers. So they brought a lot of that back for me. Like just seeing them put all their heart into the project. I love that. I feel like you described the proximity principle really well. That's something I always tell actors that I work with or other people in the industry who want to get started is like, you draw the most inspiration by being around people who are in the same field as you. You guys can get inspired by each other and learn from each other as you go, where it's like an open and safe creative space by just being there and being involved. Even if it means you're sweeping the floors after a shoot is done like you're still there you're still a part of it so I I wanted to ask you though uh what drew you to writing a lot about themes of morality horror I think a lot of times really toes that line of morality so what makes it stand out for you and how how is your perspective different damn a lot of good questions (laughs) um so in terms of like horror and uh and morality so death is permanent and I think horror films explore death in a way that we just don't see in an average film like when we see an action film we see bodies dropping all the time but in a horror film we're focused on you know a specific amount of people and they're going to die in a certain way and um no like in the way uh, horror films have changed in the sense of um I call it the slow burn Mm, like mm -hmm. um the witch and um horror films have evolved in a way that they explore morality in a way that is so much more complex than what it used to be versus yesteryear and I'm, I'm so proud to see it change because it's it's changing for the better they're um telling breathtaking stories through horror and i and for anyone that thought horror was just a gimmick or a cliche it isn't that it isn't that anymore it's something more complex and i think real filmmakers real real horror writers they've seen the potential of what horror can do like the movie raw 
another brilliant film. So I want to say Swedish, but that's another film that was just like mind-blowingly good. And I think they understand how how death and because death is permanent, and I, I think uh, horror films really capture that essence in a in a way that um it's scary. Like because it, that's what film, horror films are supposed to be scary because you know that if this happened to you, that's it. It's over. That was beautiful because I feel like you're right. Like we went through the whole slasher era and a whole bunch of other eras, and now we're we're in a place where we're able to talk about death is more complex and life after death, and playing that more into how these films work and just the relationships of how these people interact with death rather than it being a ticking time bomb of like, okay, this person's going to die at minute 10. This person is going to die at minute 20. And it's just watching the kills happen. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What you just said. <laughs> Dennis, for all the other aspiring filmmakers out there, what, what advice can you give them? If you're going to be good at something, you have to better yourself. You can't just go in and want to make a film and just film is more complex than just taking a phone and just, recording something it's or like understand the basics of uh, cinematography and how like everything works and if you're going to be a filmmaker give it 110 percent. you're the future film film should only be getting better and i feel like it can be and i think it's going to get better but i've seen so many people try to go into the film industry and they get stuck and they give up and they think just one part like only one aspect of film is what they're fighting for but they should look at it as you could be a part of a film in any way shape or form you just have to lower your expectations i don't think you should go into film thinking that you're going to be the next uh, scorsese uh tarantino i think we should you should set up realistic goals and if you and then especially small ones and work your way towards the big one so yeah i would say give it your all and don't half-ass being a filmmaker because you can't half-ass being a surgeon so <laughs> no you cannot <laughs> oh yeah I really like that you say that. Kyle and I were having a similar discussion a couple of weeks ago about, uh, you know, just people who are creative and the importance of just being passionate about what it is that you want to do. And I was talking with Kylie about some creative uh, ideas of myself because uh, was I haven't been very creative most of my adult life so far. But the biggest thing I kind of like took away from our conversation with this, Kylie, was you know, you just, you gotta not have high expectations of, like, like you were saying, Dennis, like being, being the next Scorsese or, uh, cause my mind is related to cooking, like being the next, what is it? Gordon Ramsay or anything. It's just about like having something that you enjoy doing and setting aside like a little goal for yourself and then just putting it out there. Yeah. I think the point that I kept talking to you about when we hung out a couple weekends ago, when you were here was it's about being willing to, like you said, put it out there and not striving for perfection. And I think what uh, Dennis was saying of just putting all your passion in there and just doing it is huge. But I think also as a note of encouragement to these filmmakers out there that everyone has their own unique story and their own unique experiences. If they're willing to put the work in, there's room for everybody at the table. Even though it's a very competitive in niche industry, I think if you're willing to put in the work and willing to lean on your own stories and tell stories from your own unique perspective, you can really create something great. And as long as you're willing to let go, uh, not strive for perfection, but being willing to put yourself out there, there's room for all of us at the table. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
I like it. So Dennis, uh, what are you what are you working on now that uh, our audiences can uh, keep up with, or that can keep up with you? So right, working on my, working on the script and doing a bunch of so. In order for a lot of graduates from Mason to graduate, they have to do uh, a director or a producer. They have to produce two films. If a director, they have to direct one film. So right now, I'm actually helping out with student projects. They did pitches, um, like there was we were in a room that everyone was pitching their stories, and I I only wanted to uh, help on sets that I felt like the stories were actually worth telling and they're compelling and interesting stories. Yeah. And the only stories that were actually good, in my opinion, because I'm brutal when it comes to scripts and storytelling. I, I only want to really be a part of something that's like if you're really trying to make a difference and so like you're telling a story that hasn't been told before that's what I want to hear okay yeah yeah yeah. that's fair so I only did LGBT uh friendly uh scripts they were the only stories that were truly compelling and interesting because it was about something that I am like it's something that I'm not completely familiar with and I don't know and I want to know and I want to be a partner I want to I want to understand and their stories were really good well where can we keep up with you like on social media and stuff so yeah, um, I have a Facebook. I'm an old man. I like my Facebook. I post every now and then now, like I'm um, starting to post more stuff on there just because I'm trying to be, uh, trying to get myself out there, trying to sell myself. And I got a little Instagram. I think everything's under like Dennis Serrano or Dennis Dot Serrano. Shouldn't be hard. <laughs> the only white dude with a Spanish last name. All right. Well, we'll make sure to include the link for sure. Um, do you have any last words about Friday the 13th before we sign off? If you're sleeping on Friday the 13th, you shouldn't. It's one of the greatest franchises ever to exist. It really is one of the greatest franchises. It's definitely rated in like the top five easily by audiences and even in the gross amount that they made. So it's definitely made a huge impact. And as we can see with Dennis right here, it's definitely revolutionized how Dennis sees the horror world in general. Hey everyone, thanks for watching this episode of Survive This Crit with Dennis. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for more Friday the 13th RPG content.